Hey, Johnny, how many Trout and Otani home runs does it take to win a game? Apparently two is not enough. Is Matt Wise really the problem, or is he having a good pitching coach season? You and I are going to agree to disagree on that one, I think. And did you hear what Joe Madden said about Perry Manassian? Them are fighting words. We've got the answers, and it's all coming up on Locked On Angels. And you're locked on with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Vroom. Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and you can have it delivered straight to you. You'll never have to deal with a dealership ever again. So the next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone and go to Vroom.com and check out a thousand and more than that thousands of great cars hey thank you for joining us for this edition of locked on angels where it's your team every day you've got the frisch brothers aka the super halo bros here with you my name is john and that's my brother mike and my name is mike and that's my brother john frustrating loss yesterday michael as uh, the angels played a day game against the tigers and unfortunately they went down five to four it looked to be in our favor throughout this game. Yeah. In fact, it was uh, Trout's fourth straight game with a home run. He's done that once before, and uh, we're hoping that going into the weekend he can do that once more. Uh, we had Shohei Otani hit a go-ahead home run at one point, and then Matt Theis with his first home run of the season was a two-run shot with Joe Adele on base, so that was pretty cool to see, and he crushed that one. Uh, He looked really good up there at the plate, and I think he had a hit later on in the game as well, and uh, called a good game behind the plate. Unfortunately, it was not enough because Jose Quijada came in two-thirds of an inning, very first pitch of the ninth, and gone. <laughs> gone. <laughs> She's gone. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those games that we've seen the Angels play earlier this year. What's great about yesterday's game, though, is that they have become few and far between. We haven't really been very bad in the last few innings, and so it mm-hmm. was good to be able to to be competitive and, and to be able to at least take the series here. It would have been nice to get the sweep, but... Unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. Can we talk about Thice for a moment, Johnny? This guy mm-hmm. has been all over the diamond, and they have had him play all different kinds of positions, but he really looks comfortable behind the plate, and he really yeah. looked like he was helping Sandoval through the five innings that Sandoval pitched and only gave up one run. Again, it's one of those moments where we're finally scoring runs for Sandy, and and then we blow it at the end. But Sandoval yeah. only went five, but he, he looked pretty good, and I give a lot of credit to Matt Theis behind the plate. He's really developed as a great catcher, and he bats left, which is such a great gift to be able to have. The last mm-hmm. left-handed batting, I think, catcher for the for the Halos that actually was really successful was a guy named Greg Myers yeah. in the early 90s, and he would hit a lot of home runs, had a high batting average, and so to have Theis be somebody that can be interchangeable behind the plate, I think is so, so important. Was Napoli a lefty? I'm trying to think. Napoli was right-handed. He yeah, was big right-handed. Okay. right-handed. Yeah, he looked yeah. like Mike Ford, but batting right-handed. <laughs> he does <laughs> give me uh, Napoli vibes. Mike Ford does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Sandoval had six hits against him, so he had he was dealing with people on base all throughout the day. It was a hot yeah. one. Gubaza mentioned on the broadcast that 
when the when it's hot outside, you kind of have a hard time gripping the ball because you're sweating, and so he wasn't able to execute the slider as well as he would like to, and that was pretty apparent because there was a lot of not mislocations, but more just not hitting the zone, and that's kind of more of the yeah. same of what happens with with Sandoval. We know that he struggles with keeping the ball in the zone and letting the defense work behind him, and that's kind of what happened with him on Wednesday. Uh, and so that was uh, not not his best outing, but I think you can really attribute that to the weather. You can attribute that to just how hard it is to get a grasp, literally, on the ball while you're <laughs> up there and you're sweating to death. So I just yeah. don't understand sometimes how uh, Quijada can come out, just flamethrow it, and then sometimes, I mean, I looked at his baseball savant page and he's he grooved a changeup right down the middle and a fastball right down the middle. And for him, it's all about swinging and missing. Yeah. But when you only have that fastball changeup combo, I mean, it's it's a 50% chance of getting something that you're going to be able to hit. Um, and if it's not in the zone, then you kind of just lay off of it because they're both very straight pitches. There's not right. anything that's hard to read about it. And really, I guess, Quijada is just somebody who's only going to be able to challenge people or fool them by going off speed off the fastball. So if it's in the zone, guys are going to swing. And Quijada is just hoping that he that they're going to miss it up there. And so he did not get away with that in this game. And, of course, it was two home runs, back-to-back hitters. And it was just a shame because they went in with the lead. And then the two runs was just enough to put it out of reach. Speaking of pitches right down the middle, Mike Trout's last at bat. He looked at strike, strike three right down the middle at 98 yeah. miles an hour. And I'm not sure what he saw up there. Uh, so just a disappointing end to the series. I mean, it is a series win. We've said all along, it's great to get series wins. And that's really what we should focus on. But at this point, I just want to win as much as possible. My fan fandom says, like, let's go out there and win some games and get some inspiration going. Look, the Trash Pandas and uh, the 66ers, the 66ers yep. they're, they're going to the playoffs in the right. minor leagues. They're both going right. to the playoffs, which is exciting to see. And uh, then you have Mickey Moniak, who's returned. He's in AAA right now, should be back soon. He's homered in his last two games, so he looks to be in good shape. And all of that to say... Uh, there's a lot to be hopeful for, especially when it comes to the minor leagues. And to build a winning culture, I think it starts there. And these guys are going to bring that winning attitude when the time comes for them to come up to the major league roster and and help out this team and and inspire the young guys to be excited about winning, I think. Yeah. You know, going back to Sandoval, I think somebody who can grind through five innings on a day where it's really hard to pitch mm-hmm. is a good indication that he is really maturing as a mm-hmm. starting pitcher. But yeah. then somebody like Quejada, who is only got two pitches, and he's he's going to be like an Araldus Chapman. He's going to go out there, and he's either going to look really dominant, or they're going to figure him out. Think Kevin Jepsen. Remember him? He was mm-hmm. early two, 2010s, right? And Jepsen came in, and he just looked incredible. He was great to use when you uh, were, were playing the MLB show game, because he'd come in and throw like 101 miles an hour and you could blow everybody away. But when they figured Jepsen out, it was hard to then figure out what he was going to throw next because everything was kind of straight. And so Quijada probably needs to learn one more pitch and and maybe a curveball or something off speed that really can buckle your knees because that seems to be the benefit when you're throwing really, really hard to have something that is about 10 to 15 miles an hour slower and that actually changes your eye level. It seems like that really is when you become effective as one of those hard-throwing lefty or right-handed pitchers out of the bullpen. Quijada has emerged as a very good relief pitcher this season, kind of for the first time, and somebody that 
Angel fans are excited about, the team's excited about. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does work on something this offseason so that he can have a third pitch in his arsenal because that would only serve him well. It'll serve this bullpen well, and it'll serve this team well moving forward. We need somebody like him, especially uh, with the, the speed that he gets on his fastball. He can certainly play off that with another off-speed, perhaps a slider or something like that, kind of a sinker, so it's a little bit different than his fastball. But that would be good to see in the offseason. If he can work on something, come back next season strong, and have that third pitch, that'll really help him out. Coming up on Locked On Angels, you won't believe what Joe Madden said about Perry Manassian. They were fighting words, and so we're going to talk all about it. But first, John, Locked On Angels is brought to you by Blue Chew. It is brought to you by Blue Chew, and if you have not heard of Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, and the process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, so there's no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA. They're prepared and shipped directed to your door in a discreet package. So try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code locked on at checkout. All you got to do is just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. Johnny, pitching has not been the problem for the Halos this season, and we've seen the starters be really successful this season, which in in some instances is a whole lot of fun to talk about, and then other mm-hmm. instances is really frustrating because that was the thing that we needed to change from 2021 to 2022, and it did. And then suddenly we couldn't hit anymore, and we find ourselves 17 games under 500, right? And so here's, here's some of the proof, John. Here's some stats that I pulled up, just basic stats for you to look at. 2021, the starters average ERA was over four, 4. 4.78, which was 22nd in That's like a baseball. gallon of gas. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. And then the relievers were 4.5, which was 24th in baseball. Yeah. And then listen to these numbers. And I know that it doesn't feel like this. That's what's hard with these numbers. It's hard to believe that they're real and accurate. Try me. Because... I believe it. Try me. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. The starters... ERA is 3.74. That's 10th in baseball right now. I believe it. I believe it, Mike. And and then relievers, 3.93. That's Mm -hmm. 17th in baseball. I'm sharing all of this because I I really have had my heart changed on Matt Wise. I think Mm. that Matt Wise has done a really great job. And here's more emphasis as to why. These stats that I just shared with you are not because the Angels added different pitchers. Syndergaard, hmm. Tapera, Loop, Bradley, and Lorenzen all have had somewhat of a good year. Obviously, Syndergaard got traded to the Phillies. But their ERA, the lowest ERA of all of them, was Syndergaard, and he was 3.83. Mm-hmm. And the highest was Lorenzen. He's almost at 5. The stats are better 
because the young guys, the homegrown talent is better, mm. Johnny. Detmers, Sandoval, Suarez, all of those guys are pitching well. Even Jonathan Diaz and Chase Silseth when he came Jaime up. Berea. Jaime Berea has been fantastic. And so I am of the opinion, and my opinion has changed, but I am of the opinion that Matt Wise has actually done a really great job. And I said earlier this week that I think he's earned at least one more year as the pitching coach for this hmm. team. Now, if they if they change it, I'm not going to be heartbroken, but I think that Wise has done a good job with this team. But I'm going to throw it to you because I would love mm-hmm. your thoughts. Who gets credit for all of this positive up and to the right stats for the pitchers and the relievers. Is it Matt? Is it the pitchers? Is it the organization? Who are you giving credit to, Johnny? I'm going to give credit to the organization because okay. you have instances such as Reed Detmers going down to AAA, working with Buddy Carlisle and getting right and getting yep. that slider fixed and coming back up and dominating since he came back. I know his last couple starts have not been great. Uh, He actually got his start moved back from this weekend to Monday just to give him more time off and not have him go against the Astros once again. He's done that several times this season. I got to give it to the organization, Mike, because I'm starting to see that while we have this incredible farm of pitchers in AA, the guys have spent time down there. I do have to say that probably with Patrick Sandoval and even Jose Suarez to some extent, I can see Matt Wise having a positive influence on those guys. So really, to me, it's kind of a cohesive, everybody gets a piece of the pie. Everybody gets partial credit for this one. It's the group project. Some people did more than others in high school, but you all get an A anyway, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of how I feel about the pitching and this organization. There, there was a point where we were all, including us, were frustrated with Matt Wise yeah. because it just didn't seem like our pitchers were competing out there. They were struggling. They hadn't taken that step forward that they needed. I think Mike Trout was the one coaching Jose Marte from the outfield because Jose Marte was tipping his pitches. Apparently Noah Syndergaard was tipping pitches at one point and nobody could identify that. And that was the part that was frustrating to us. And that's something that should fall under the umbrella of not just Matt Wise, but the coaching staff in general, especially from the dugout, somebody's got to notice those things. And if it's not Matt Wise, it needs to be somebody else. I say all that because you make an excellent point. Uh, The young staff and pitchers and relievers on this team are really carrying this team. And when you think about Syndergaard, who obviously is kind of a special case because he had a year off, uh, almost two years off, really. Uh, Ryan Tapera with his 3.88 ERA veteran. Aaron Loop, 4.05 ERA, not sure what happened between here and New York, but something happened. 4.50A, veteran. Archie Bradley, I give him a pass because of the elbow thing, and he's still hurt. (laughs) I kind of give Lorenzen a pass as well because he's been hurt, and he was actually really good until he started pitching hurt in his last few starts, and that's when you saw his ERA skyrocket. So to me, the fact that the young guys are doing well They're the ones who have spent the most time with Matt Wise. If they haven't been on the team, they've been in the minor league system at AAA or possibly AA and coming up and and doing these things. So I I, I think I'm with you. I'm not as harsh on Matt Wise as I was previously, and I think I've come around on him, but I'm just trying to remember June and July John, who was so annoyed at Matt Wise for a lot of these things. Yeah. And to be honest, and we're going to get into this conversation about Joe Madden in just a little bit, 
I think the way Joe Madden was using these arms was not effective. And I think a lot of the issues that we ran into early on were those innings where you had two guys out, two guys on. Oh, let's bring in Ryan Tapera to get one out in the sixth inning for no reason. Like, you didn't let guys finish the inning. Or Joe Madden decides to make a change. Or he pulls a starter too early and then brings in the bullpen and uses a guy for four innings. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. so frustrating back then. Perhaps that played into a lot of it as well. But to me, I think I- I'm going to dial it back on Matt Wise just a little bit. I'm not going to be as harsh. I'm with you. If he's not here next season perfectly fine with that. If he is here next season, uh, I'm fine with that too. I really think at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the manager, whoever they hire and takes over this team. Uh, He's going to be the one to decide who he wants to keep and who he wants to uh, move on from. I am going to give you a bold prediction. Bold prediction next year at this time on Locked on Angels. (laughs) Here's the bold prediction. Write it down. I think that Matt Wise next season at this time is going to be looked at as one of the genius pitching coaches in Major League Baseball. (laughs) And the reason why I think that is because I think the young guys are developing at a pace where they're going to be really, really good next season. And I think (laughs) Chase Silseth is going to be a part of that. Now, I'm going to speak some blasphemy here, so Locked on Angel fans, forgive me, but... I think that Matt Wise is going to be spoken in the same category as Bud Black when Bud Black was the pitching coach for Mm. the Angels. I think that they're going to see him and go, wow, look at what he's able to do with this pitching staff. I think he's going to be held in high, high esteem. Now, that is if he is able to stay, depending on who the manager is going to be. But Mm -hmm. I think he's earned the right to continue, and I think that he's proven to know these pitchers really, really well. There have been those pitching moments where they were tipping pitches as you mentioned that was kind of a a a black mark on his resume (laughs) yeah and and we don't know how much of the conversation he had with them maybe he did have those conversations and they didn't adjust we're not sure maybe the Yankees were just cheating (laughs) it certainly it certainly looks different when we played the Yankees uh now versus when we played them before right like our team our team and our pitchers looked more confident and so I think Matt Wise is a young dude who's connected with these young guys and has their ear and I think that he is for the sake of the organization he is somebody that they should have stay on for one more year and I think next year we're going to be talking about Matt Wise and going what an incredible phenomenal job he's done with this starting rotation and with that bullpen talk about coaching staff that's gonna be here next season possibly you know somebody who won't be there and is currently not there mr joe madden Ouch. michael <laughs> you said he's not here <laughs> <laughs> he's been dropping some some word bombs in the last few weeks like you put a microphone in front of this guy and he is not holding back john suddenly How about has that? a lot to say all of a sudden yeah he couldn't argue balls and strikes and get kicked out of a game but now all of a sudden he goes and hangs out with Jason Stark and Joe's taking a couple of shots of whiskey and letting it fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sat down with Jason Stark of The Athletic. Uh, they did a podcast together. Some of the excerpts that he had to say, uh, we've pulled those. And uh, so first, let me start with this one. He spoke about analytics, mm-hmm. saying that the information is good. I just don't like the way it's implemented. And here's what he meant. 
It gets to the point where uh, where the pregame is a meeting every day, hmm. and it's an elongated meeting, and players don't need all this information, quite frankly. They need nuggets. They don't need dissertations. Then he dropped this line. You don't need all this. People want to tell you how to build a watch. I just need to know what time it is. Who? Okay. Okay. Hmm. Then Joe shared about his experience with Angels GM Perry Manassian and assistant GM Alex Taman. He said they would come in and start talking about how I should use the bullpen that night. Hmm. Like, I haven't done that for the last 40 years. <laughs> when you do that, the game becomes cloudy. You're in the dugout. And you know what you'd like to do, but these people have come downstairs prior to the game and they load you with the stuff. That's not necessarily helpful. So let me stop right there for a second. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot, right? <laughs> After hearing that about Perry Manassian, Alex Tamian, what are your thoughts? I, you know, I, I think, one, I think this is the Joe that we probably needed the entire time. Mm. And, and maybe he was a bit uh, stifled by the angels because they don't have this really great working relationship. Um, Joe Madden is not Perry's guy. And that's what I interpreted in this conversation. They were Mm -hmm. not on the same page. And Joe has got all of this history, specifically all of this history with the halos. And so he's coming home on the white horse and he's the hero, right? But then the hero is being told hey, I need you to do this and I need Mm -hmm. you to do that. And I'll be honest, Johnny, it kind of makes sense now why we were so frustrated with some of Joe's moves because if he's in the dugout not thinking, I got to give Tapera one more shot or I got to let Sandoval get five innings. If he's in the dugout thinking, all right, so Perry said this and Alex said that and I need to use Mm -hmm. the bullpen this way or that way. No wonder it seemed a bit confusing. No wonder it seemed a bit convoluted, right? And, and, and maybe maybe at the beginning of the year, he was coaching the way that he should have been coaching, and then everything kind of fell apart. But that that's my initial thoughts on all of this. I, your face tells me that you completely disagree with me. <laughs> let, let me tell you why you're wrong, and I can okay. point out exactly why you're wrong. I'm telling mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Super Halo Bro. Yeah. Listen, Joe Madden brought up the bullpen. It's no coincidence that you and I as fans identified way back earlier in the season, we hated how he managed the bullpen. Right. And you could interpret what he said as Perry telling him what to do with the bullpen and then Joe doing that on the field. I don't think he did do what Perry wanted him to do on the field. Okay. Number one, because the decisions that Joe Madden has made or did make with the bullpen, Phil Nevin's not doing that. Phil Nevin's not pulling guys too early. He's not going to guys in the middle of an inning or putting them in really bad situations. So I don't believe it was Perry telling Joe Madden what to do because he had all of this knowledge and insight on the bullpen. I think it was Perry saw the same things you and I did and went, Joe, what are you doing? Joe, look at the data we have here. Joe, here's what you need to do. Stop pulling guys when there's two on and two out. Let guys finish an inning. I have a strong feeling that Perry Manassian believes like you and I believe and tried to communicate that to Joe. And the last straw was that last game where he let the bullpen blow the game because of the situation that he put them in. So that's why he was let go. It was after game 12 that he was let go and we had just come off I, I think the Phillies series, yep. Yep. perhaps, uh, with Rysel Iglesias having to go out there and pitch to Bryce Harper with the bases loaded. And 
And, and, and there was just so many situations like that from April to June where these guys are in these situations they shouldn't be in as pitchers or the starters aren't getting the chance to finish the fifth inning or the sixth yeah. inning. Yeah. And I honestly believe that Perry Manassian had the same problems with Joe's bullpen management as you and I did, tried to communicate that to him, and now Joe is saying it was Perry telling him how to manage a bullpen because Joe thinks he's right. Joe hmm. thinks he's right at the end of the day. And we all saw, and the win-loss record will show that Joe was wrong. Joe shouldn't have made some of the moves that he made. That's why he doesn't have a job. Look, I know Phil Nevin is not a, a winning manager either. Like, we don't have a winning record with him. But what changed, Mike? The hitting changed. The hitting got bad. The uh. pitching got good. The situations got better for the bullpen. So, to me, and the evidence is there, I, I don't agree with Joe Madden. I, I, I could see how long meetings would be frustrating. I think we've all had a job where we've been in this meeting could have been an email, right? We've been <laughs> yeah. in those situations. <laughs> right. uh, I certainly have. And the truth is Joe probably is speaking the truth there. I could understand where things get a little too fine, a little too analytical. Just give me the information I need to know that I can use and walk away with and implement. However, what I disagree with is him saying that uh, Perry was telling him how to manage this or how to manage that when the proof is in the pudding. I don't see that happening now with mm. Phil Nevin. And, and I really don't think that that was the situation. Well, Madden finished the conversation with uh, a couple of statements. He says, as a manager, you don't have the same kind of authority or autonomy that you had in the past. Imagine walking into Gene Mock's office or Billy Martin's office or Earl Weaver's <laughs> office and telling them how to utilize their players. Now, can I just say this? Joe, you're neither, you're, you're not any of those You're none managers. of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but he did bring up this point. He said the difference between Perry and Andrew Friedman, who he worked with with the Rays, is that Friedman and I would argue about stuff and it was healthy and then he permitted me to do my thing. This is why I think it was a problem, John. We said it from the very beginning. Madden is not Perry's guy. And I think the mm -hmm. problem was they just weren't on the same page. And nobody's the bad guy here. Nobody's wrong here. It's just that they aren't trying to build the same thing. They're, mm -hmm. They have two different visions and two different approaches. Now, the reason why Joe is on this podcast is because he's writing a book called The Book of Joe. And so there's oh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of of chaos that creates controversy and wants people mm -hmm. to read the book. So I that can understand why cash. he's right. He's he's coming strong so that people would want to read the book. But is is this really an indication, maybe I think it is, as to why the Angels have struggled this season, especially when it comes to hitting, perhaps? Is mm -hmm. there just is there just too much uh misinformation and what I mean by that is the, the coaches are saying one thing the front office is saying another thing and Mike Trout's watching a fastball go directly down the middle of the plate to strike out right like <laughs> do you think that that has something to do with the Angels struggles this season yeah if the communication isn't seamless from top to bottom and it's not getting communicated in an efficient way if it is through long strenuous meetings before game you're not gonna want to sit in a 40 to an hour minute meeting to to before you got to play a game like nobody wants that so if if the if the communication is a problem then I could see that affecting gameplay but the truth is Mike there are guys in the past who will see like pitching ninja tweet something and say hey look how this pitcher threw this slider a year ago and look how he's throwing it now 
that pitcher will go, hey, thanks, Pitching Ninja. I I, I see what I'm doing wrong. Like, that's happened. That's yeah. actually happened. Yeah. And I think the same thing could be said for the data that these people get paid to create and do and put out there and communicate. Like, it's there's nothing wrong with the data itself. I think it's all about how it's communicated and how it's implemented. Sometimes you just got to play the game. And then sometimes it's good to know that you shouldn't pitch inside to Bryce Harper because he's going to crush it, right? Like that's just the way it goes. And nothing's really changed. We've just gotten better at getting data and making it more meaningful. You have since the, (laughs) since the 90s, you've had the heat maps and video games for batters. Like when you're throwing to a batter, this Blue part is blue because they're cold there. This spot is red, so you throw here. You know yep. what I mean? And, yep. and that's that's nothing new, but we've just gotten better at that. Now we have a 3D image of the, of the hot <laughs> zones and the cold zones. And that's an analogy for data and analytics. Things have only gotten better. It tells us better things. It tells us better insights. We can understand things a little bit better. It's all about how you use it. And if you're forcing it on somebody and they aren't implementing it well or it's not being communicated well, that's not the way to go. So I think Perry Manassian is going to find a guy who understands how to have the conversation, understands that there's nuance to baseball and that the data is there to be helpful not oppressive. Well, John and I appreciate you making Locked On Angels your first listen every day. And now make your second listen, the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza that gets you ready for the NFL season with local experts from Locked On, uh, Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets, all combining into one incredible preview. So you can search Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnAngels. And if you want to give us a follow at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram, we would appreciate it if you did so. Mike, what do we have on deck for tomorrow's show? What does finishing strong actually look like for the Angels this season? Hmm. John and I are going to share some of our thoughts to help the Angels finish strong. That's tomorrow on Locked On Angels. Finish strong, just like this ending. Until then, my name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. Was this a strong ending? Hey, that's my brother, John. My name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we appreciate you tuning in to Lockdown Angels, and we hope that we'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, take care, and we'll see you soon. 